Hello and welcome to the test run of a new Football News and Views podcast. I'm going to start with a Football Top 10, my current Top 10 managers. So without further ado, here is number 10. At 10 is Maurizio Pellegrini of West Ham United. He showed in Spain he was an excellent manager, won the league with Man City's billions, well, who didn't, and now he is turning the hammers into European hopefuls. West Ham have always been known for pretty football, but it has never brought them sustained success. Pellegrini is keeping the pretty passing football style and added defensive organisation. They are a team that works together as a unit to get results, which is why it was so important to get rid of Marco and Altovic quickly so the rotten apple wouldn't infect the bunch. Probably Pellegrini's biggest success, though, is the improvement in recruitment. The tighter focus on just what they need for the team is paying dividends so far. I do feel like I should be doing a Tony Green impression on these numbers at nine. But as you can hear, I can't actually do a Tony Green impression, so I won't bother. So if you could just in your head pretend I'm doing, I sound just like Tony Green when I say at nine is Kike Setien, who doesn't actually have a club at the moment, surprisingly. This one might seem like an odd choice. After all, he was just recently sacked by Real Betis for failing to take them into the Champions League. But that does not tell the full story. For starters, Betty are not some huge club that should have expectations of qualifying. In fact, it was because they had Setia and they believed they could qualify. He turned them into the most exciting team to watch in Europe at times, with a very attacking style that made them great to watch and saw Betty extend Setien's contract because Barcelona were sniffing around him. Then the board developed group delusions of grandeur and got rid of the reason they were competitive in the first place. A huge mistake and someone will profit by getting themselves an excellent manager. So now on to eight, and at eight is Wolverhampton Wanderers manager Nuno Espirito Santo. Nuno's worked wonders there at Wolves and will be in the top five he managed for more than one season in the Prem. Another good season is only needs to rise up the ranks. What I particularly like about him is that he does not panic if results do not immediately go his way. He doesn't make huge sweeping changes, it is evolutionary. Nuno examines what went wrong and tactically tweaks it to make sure he fixes it. For instance, they swept all before them in the Championship with a 3-4-3, only for it to struggle slightly in the Premier League. Realising they were losing the midfield battle, he switched to a 3-5-2, bringing in a sitting midfielder, and Wolves gained more control over the midfield while maintaining a serious attacking threat. Another manager who emphasises teamwork and hard work to bring results to his team. So now on to number seven, and at seven we have Marcellino of Valencia. The little Spaniard might look like a hyperactive leprechaun bouncing about on the sidelines, but he is a seriously good manager. It must be said though that watching his antics on the sidelines is often more entertaining than the football. Valencia are a difficult team to manage, but he is doing well there despite the problems of managing a team that is perceived to be the third biggest in Spain by the fans and board, but lacks the funds to compete at the top end. Financially, taking them into the Champions League is key to their chances, but they need to go far each year or fall behind the likes of Atletico Madrid and Sevilla that they believe themselves to be bigger than. Marcelino's success so far will need to be built on, or he'll be another excellent Spanish manager out of work along with Kike Setien. So it's time for number six, and at six I have Marcelo Gallardo of River Plate. He just misses out on the top five, despite being outstanding in South American football. With the level being slightly, well, some would say more than slightly below European competition, I didn't feel like I could quite put him inside the top five. Despite being only 43, though, 
He is already the most successful coach in River Plate's history. It is probably only a matter of time before a European giant throws money at him to become their manager. And when he does, I can only see him climbing up the rankings because he's as close to a surefire hit as I've seen. So on to the top five. And at five, it's Marcello Gallardo. I've just done him. No, it's Porto Sergio Conceição. He has come in under the premise that he had to offloads £100 million worth of players just to steady the ship financially. Most of the managers would have never even considered the job under those circumstances. In fact, a large number of them turned it down before Conceição was given a chance. Since taking charge, he has turned the club around, keeping them not just competitive domestically, but winning the Portuguese league in his first season. Added to that, he's made them competitive in continental competition, and they gave eventual winners Liverpool a tough test in the Champions League, despite having a clear quality disadvantage. They also play nice football and a very watchable team. So now it's on to number four, and at four is Lucien Favre, the Swiss manager of Borussia Dortmund, who deserved inclusion purely for the fact that he managed to get Mario Balotelli to perform while in charge of Nice. That places him in an exclusive group, a very elite group. Favre has, long, has had a long climb to the top, beginning with a role as under-14s coach with lower league Swiss team Michelons. Apologies for the mangled pronunciation. Notwithstanding a couple of excellent years with Nice, where he led them into the Champions League, he is best known for his work in German football, where it could be said he has revived three fallen giants in the shape of Hertha Berlin, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Borussia Dortmund. His quick attack in football is not just successful, but very easy on the eye. He is not all attack, though. Favre is very tactically astute, even if I can't say it, and he likes to pay attention to details. He also often finds the time to work with players one-to-one, and his key strength, which probably stems from his work one-to-one with players, allows him to succeed without a huge spend, which is bringing through young players and developing into first-team players. So now we move on to the top three, and at three I've picked Julian Nagelsmann of RB Leipzig. Still only a young man, but he has shown himself to be an excellent forward-thinking manager who gets the most out of his players. His appointment was, in my opinion, a coup by RBL after both Bayern Munich and Arsenal made the mistake of deciding to appoint someone else. At Leipzig, he will get financial backing to build a side capable of breaking Bayern's hegemony of the Bundesliga. Though he will also have Favre's Dortmund to deal with to do so. His age is often held against him. He was just 28 when he took charge of 1899 Hoffenheim and is still only 32 now. But it did not stop him from rescuing Hoffenheim from relegation in his first season. Nor did it stop him from leading them to Champions League qualification for the first time in their history in his second. Nagelsmann is also an innovator and likes to use technology to help on the training pitch. On which he had a giant video warning stored on the halfway line. That enables him to illustrate his points with footage from the cameras he has recording everything. Big brother or what? He is also well known for being a decent human being as well. He was the first head coach in world football to sign up to Common Goal where footballers sign over 1% of their salary to charity. At two, just, and I do mean just, missing out on the top spot, is Atalanta manager Giampiero Gasparini. The man Jose Mourinho once said was the opponent who gave him the greatest difficulty while in Italian football. Gasparini has always produced excellent footballing teams that entertain as well as achieve results, but his work at current club Atalanta has been nothing short of spectacular. 
This coming season they will participate in the European Champions League for the first time ever. At the age of 61 he is no young and up and coming manager, but someone who has worked hard to build his way to the top end. One of the things I particularly like about him is his commitment to bringing through young players and coaching them to success rather than buying a quick fix. It's very un-Italian of him. The biggest question is, how much further can he take Atalanta? A good Champions League run is about all they have left, as it would take a minor miracle for them to successfully challenge Juve for the Serie A title. So on to the final one, and number one, my choice may be in part down to bias, but despite only finishing second in the Premier League, I'm going to pick Jurgen Klopp of Liverpool. The Champions League win and the way his Liverpool team kept grinding results out in the Prem just uh, edged it for me. Yes, he spent money to achieve it, but nothing like the outlay of Man City, PSG and Madrid. He inherited a team low on confidence and sinking fast and has turned it around and created a great team. Klopp has bought well, but has also improved players through coaching. The improvement each season has been visible, particularly defensively. That is not just because of the excellence of Alisson and Van Dijk. The organisation at the back has improved markedly as well. That was the difference and what gave the team the opportunity to put pressure on City last season. If only he would stop tapping players up. OK, so now it's time to address the elephant in the room. I know most of you will be wondering where the hell is Pep Guardiola? It is quite simple. For me, there are still too many question marks hanging over his head. He took over a Barca team with Ronaldinho and a young Messi coming through. The great Iniesta and Xavi midfield duo were at their peak. Yes, he had an initial impact, but the team began to deteriorate and he walked away. He had turned the best team in Europe into the best team in Spain. He then inherited the best team in Europe once more, spent heavily and turned them into the best team in Germany. Despite the spending, the team he left behind was simply not as good as the team he took over. Rather than stay and turn things around, he once more walked away complaining that the players were no longer responding to his methods. He showed no ability to adapt, to grow, to improve, to adapt to to improve his methodology so the players would respond once more. This season at City, he has the chance to show he can work long term with a group of players and adapt his methods to their needs. Though it will still leave that huge flashing question mark about his ability to achieve success without needing to outspend the opposition. Until the day he takes a job which doesn't come with a financial advantage over the opposition, when nothing is handed to him on a plate, we will not know if he truly is a great coach. So that's my top 10. To run it down again, it's Mauricio Pellegrini of West Ham United at 10. At 9, it's Kike Setien, who is out of a job at the moment. At 8, it's Nuno Espirito Santo of Wolverhampton Wanderers. At 7, it's Marcellino. At six, it's Marcello Guiardo of River Plate. At five, it's Sergio Conceição of Porto. At four, it's Lucien Favre of Borussia Dortmund. At three, it's Julian Nagelsmann of RB Leipzig. At two, it's Giampiero Gasparini of Atlant- Atalanta, even. And the winner is Jurgen Klopp of Liverpool.